I want to encourage you as well to grab your Bible this morning so that we can all have God's Word open before our hearts. And uh, I'm going to make it easy for you. Just turn to the first book in the Bible today, chapter 1 of the book of Genesis, as you're turning there. You know, my mama taught me when I was a young boy, first impressions are important, so make a good one. And when God made a first impression, right, out of the Scriptures right here and introducing Himself and His Word, He tells us and makes us a a very important point for us that He is the Creator of all things. You know, when you make a first impression, whether it's at an interview or introducing yourself to someone, it's important uh, to realize that that can have a lasting significance, right? In fact... People often form their opinions based on first impressions. And it should be the case when we open God's word to hear him speak that that impression comes across about just who God is and what he's like and what he's able to do. And Genesis, of course, affirms for us a wonderful truth that God is the creator. And and the impression that he wants to impress upon us is not only that he is a creator, but he's a good creator. He's a good God. He's a powerful God, and, and a lot of other aspects that we'll see in just a moment as we walk through the text and, and consider some other psalms and also the passage in Isaiah that, that we're memorizing this week from Isaiah 44. Uh, I know oftentimes we just sing Yahweh, Yahweh, and, and we think about that, but when God introduces himself here in Genesis chapter 1, we don't see that name of God. We see the name Elohim, and uh, we'll talk about the significance of that this morning. But first impressions are critical, and what you and I think about God is going to impact and impress upon us a lot that impacts our life each and every day. And when God created the the heavens and the earth, He stamped His name upon it. He stamped, uh, impressed upon it a lot that you and I need to realize each and every day because He's communicating to us. He's saying something about who He is, His essence, what kind of of a God he is, and he's telling you, conveying you, speaking to me, telling us something about his awesome power, and he's revealing something even in this first chapter about his purposes. And so that's critical because when he's communicating this about himself, he's showing it in an evidential way in creation. Which is vital as well. That's his first impression. Not just the words he speaks, but also the created order. If God didn't make anything, how would we know him? Right? He he made something. This attribute of God, and we don't often think about it that way, but, but it is the attribute that's essential to all the others. And so God is speaking, and he's telling us important things, and first things are always important for us. So in a moment we're going to stand and read, but this is critical. Understand this morning. We live in a day and age where individuals don't want to recognize God as the creator. They don't want to acknowledge his creativity, what he has made and how he's made things and what he's made things for. And as a result of that, because we we don't believe that fundamental truth, what we see today is a blurring of the minds, a blurring of the lines and a blurring of the minds of children. And when you stop and you don't understand this fundamental truth, it affects all of life. Life gets fouled up when you deny this critical attribute of God and who He is and what He has done and what He's able to do. So when we stand and read this, understand, either you and I are wise or we're fools. There's only two camps today. Based on this attribute and this truth about God, either I'm going to be a wise person this morning and fear the Lord and take this as as truth, or I'm going to be foolish 
And if I choose to do that, the psalmist would say to us twice that, that it's the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. There is no God who's made all the things around us. And that would be a foolish, uh, a foolish thought to embrace this morning because your life will then be on the wrong trajectory each and every day. And you can't make sense of the world if you don't make sense of the God who made this world. And so it's critical that we understand what we're talking about today is essential to understanding the nature of God. In fact, I'll show you even later how it's essential for us even coming into this house to worship Him. So I want you to stand with me and honor the word of the Lord. I'm just going to read about four verses here, five verses in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump down to verses 26 through 28 to understand some critical truths that God is a creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And down in verse 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing. That creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. Over every living thing that moves on the earth. And Father, may we have a right understanding of who you are and what you are like today, Lord. So we'll know who we are being made in your image and what we should be like. And Father, I'm grateful for this wonderful truth, Lord, that not only transforms our lives, Lord, but it makes eternal life possible, Lord. And so today, may we recognize you are an incredibly creative God and you are the creator and Father, may we realize that there's a purpose behind all of your creations and what you're about. And Lord, may we live for that in our daily walk with you. It's in Jesus' name we all pray this morning. And all God's people say amen and amen. We are considering again something critical to our faith in God this morning. It's critical to understand that this attribute, when we understand who God is and what He's like, this one's critical because since He's the Creator... He's not like anything else in this world. And yet we're made like Him. Being the Creator, He's distinct. We've already discovered that in many ways as we've looked through the transcendence of God, His sovereignty over everything He's made, many of the other attributes. But it's the attribute of God's creative ability that makes it possible to discover all those other attributes. In fact, I also thought, I was just thinking about this as well. When God creates a new heaven and a new earth, I wonder what else we'll discover. Because we'll have all of eternity to learn about who our God is and what He's like. We don't know everything about Him, but man, we've got a lot to look forward to to learn about Him. Creation is the act of God alone by which he, he brings into this world for His own glory. All that exists, everything that, that exists was made by Him. And, and before He even created the universe, there was nothing except for Himself. And nothing had existence prior to His creative Word, aside from the Trinity. And you and I, it's amazing, we're made in His image. And what that means is we are like Him in some 
ways. And so we've studied some of these attributes. And if we take those attributes and we, we divide them into two classes, there are some attributes that are called communicable attributes. And other attributes are incommunicable attributes. When we say an attribute is communicable, that means that something about God is communicated or transmitted to you and to me so that we can be like him. If something is incommunicable, that's not transmitted to you and I. For example, God is the only God. He is self-sufficient. None of us are. Amen? We are not self-sufficient. If you think you are, then that's a lie from the devil. And it's what, in fact, uh, Satan trying to tempt Adam and Eve. Listen, you can be like God. And you won't need him, right? Listen, to say that something is communicable, an attribute of God, is like God is love. We believe that. That's true. We studied it from 1 John chapter 4. And yet to say that, God enables you and enables me to show love to other people. And yet, let's be honest, we don't love perfectly as He loves. God is just. We discovered that. And being just, that means He knows what is right. He knows what is wrong too. And He always does the right thing. And you and I being made in his image, that attribute is communicated to us because we all have a sense where we want justice. Amen? We do. In fact, we want it so bad that some will pursue social justice and they blur the lines that way because that's not biblical justice and the way God defines what's right and what's wrong. But we long for that. One of the attributes that that highlights this is God's creativity. We are Created in his image and we have the ability to create things and we do that and it's amazing that that God enables us to do that and 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 those creations that we have aren't like his trust me our creations don't last uh, throughout all of time right his will a new creation a new heaven and a new earth but but it's amazing that God has given us the ability to be creative and to think like that now how is that possible well, it's possible because the God who creates all things, he's a person. He is Elohim here in chapter 1 of Genesis. He is, he is the God of power, the, the God who is strength. And, and this is his personal revelation of him. This name Elohim is used over and over and over in chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's not till later that we, we get the other names of God, like Jehovah or Yahweh. Uh, we get those later, those covenant names. And, and the aspects of who God is are, is just unfolded even more in those names. But, but here, what we discover in chapter 1 of Genesis is that the God who creates all things is a person. Now that's vital for you and for me as he creates things around us because this person is not a force. He's, he's powerful, but God is not a force. All right? If a force exerts its, its power against a, a pile of, of mud, usually what you get is, is well, you might get um, something like a big pile of mud all stacked up and pushed in one direction. But when a person exerts force, usually they design something to demonstrate their creativity. There's an argument that's called the watchmaker argument and, and for the existence of God. And it says, listen, if you're walking down a path and suddenly you find a watch on the path, that, that means there probably was a watchmaker. And, and so you pick up that watch and you take the face off and you look at 
before everything went digital. And, and, and you see all those springs and sprockets and all those little things that are whirling about. And some are moving really slow. And then there's some smaller sprockets that are moving a little bit faster. And there's the one little one going, you know, 900 miles an hour to make all the others move at just the right time. You look at that watch and the intricacies of it and you say, man, there was a, there was a Swiss watchmaker who made this, right? Because I see the, the cross on there, right? In the same way, when you see creation, there, there's a person who made that, God. He is a person. We, having personhood, are made in His image. And, and, and everywhere you look, you see His imprint Upon creation, listen, when you look through a microscope and you dial it down to 400 times and 1,000 times and 4,000 times and you begin to look at your skin and you see the cells and, and you go a little further. and I mean, we can't even go far enough with, with some of our microscopes as, as individuals to see the atoms and everything just flying around. But it's amazing. God designed all of that. And he designed it in a way with amazing order. When you look through a telescope and you look up at the stars at night and you, and you try to see the craters on the moon and, and try to find the Mars out there somewhere, right? Because I think we're trying to find Mars, right? Or go there, right? And, and you look and yet some of the, the telescopes, not just the Hubble, but now the, the, the new telescope that's out there that, that helps us to see galaxies and, and, and all those stars flung from his fingertips, the Bible tells us. The God who designed all that, it's amazing. It blows your mind when you just stop and think about the magnitude of it all and the beauty of it all and the magnificence of all that he's created. It's, it's screaming to you and to me and, and saying, there's a God who made this with incredible power, right? That's what Paul's argument would be over in Romans chapter 1. That it's screaming out. God's eternal power is, is testifying there and, is, and the Godhead is evident there. When people create things, whether it's a, a song, whether it's art, whether it's some architecture, they're, they're designing it in a way and, and, and using their creative abilities. And, and sometimes you can see uh, that particular piece of art and say, there, I know who painted that. That's a Picasso. That, that's a Rembrandt. Or, or you can see an architectural style and, and, and you'll say, I know who that architect is. Or you hear a song that someone writes creatively and, 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 you, and you just know, oh, I know who that is. This is this, uh, the works that we do, are, we impress upon them something about ourselves as we do it. And God does it the same way when he made all of creation. And what it's screaming and helping you and I to realize is there's an almighty God... Who made this? There's no other way he could have made this. In fact, what's fascinating is what you read about if we went through all of Genesis chapter 1. That, that every day, all he did was speak. And it was there. Crazy, right? He just speaks and poof, it's there. I love reading uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. And I highly recommend that, parents. That you sit down with your kids sometimes and just read through the Chronicles of Narnia. Narnia and, and particularly the magician's nephew. And, and when Diggory and, and, and Polly are there with Aslan the tiger comes walking basically out of the darkness. And, and here comes Aslan walking. And, and the pictures of, of how everything was created. And Aslan just speaks and he says, mountains. And poof, there's mountains. 
And he says, birds. And then there's just the skies are teeming with birds. He says, river. And there's a river flowing. And, and, and he just comes and singing and saying words, right? And, and, and as he does that, creation comes into being. And Lewis is trying to help children understand basically what Moses is trying to help us understand as well right here in Genesis 1. In a beautiful way. When God just spoke a person and made everything that we see. And the amazing thing as we see, not just walking through all the days when he creates you know, the light. And when he creates all the lights that then shine in the sky. When he creates the heavens and the earth. And when he creates the, the sky and, and what flies through the sky and the sea. And what flies through the sea, the fish and and all the creatures, but the, the pinnacle of creation, of course, is when he made man. When he made man in his image. But he, he didn't create him the same way. I mean, he spoke everything out of nothing, but, but he took man and formed him from the dirt, from the dust, and <sighs> breathed air into his nostrils, and man was there. And then he barad, he created, he built woman for man. He made her in a whole nother way, too. It's fascinating when you read this and you discover... But behind this is not some force, it's a person. God is a person. In fact, when he made man in his image, he made male and female to relate not only to one another, but to relate to him. You're made for relationships. You're made to have relationships with people, with individuals. But ultimately, you and I are made to have a relationship with him. And you may choose to have a relationship with him or you may reject it. But that choice has significant consequences, uh, whether good or bad. If we're wise, we'll submit to this truth and recognize God as the creator and yield ourselves to him and, and, and the, power, the purpose for which he's made us. Or we'll reject him and we suffer the consequences for that choice. But we have to realize that God, the God who created all things, he is a person. In fact, I'm going to show you in a little bit the passage that we are memorizing from Isaiah 44. How here Elohim is the creator, but there the passage says Yahweh is the creator. And then I'm going to show you how you tie those two things together in just a minute so you can worship him. The God who creates not only is a person, he's a powerful person. He's got amazing power. Just stop and think about this. How powerful is he? I mean, not only does Elohim have the, the root which emphasizes strength and power, God demonstrates right from the beginning just how powerful he is because he speaks and out of nothing comes something. Now, that's amazing in itself. Now, listen, I like to play with Legos. I got seven kids, okay? So we have lots of Legos, man. We have, we have the sets. You got the tubs. You got all kinds of things you can play with. But it's an amazing thing that you can be a master builder and build all kinds of things with those Legos. But one thing I can't do with those Legos is I can't stick out my hand like this and go red brick and a red brick appear. I can't. I can only make stuff with stuff. God had the power to make stuff out of nothing. Woohoo! That's an amazing God. Now, ask yourself, why wouldn't I put my trust and my faith in one that has that much power? Why wouldn't I surrender and yield to him? Because he has amazing power and he is a person that made me for a relationship. Why wouldn't I ask him to use that power in a way that would bring glory and honor to his name and bring good into my life? You see... 
We should do that. We should recognize that. But what we don't do, what we fail to do in recognizing Him, we often do in worshiping the created stuff. I mean, His powerful voice made the stuff. And, and, and His hands, as He worked in creation, at the end of every day, it was good. That power was used in a good way. But let's be honest, we don't always do that with the power we have in our creative minds. Sometimes we exploit the creation and we don't take care of it as we ought. And we work things in creation that aren't really profitable or really good. And that doesn't glorify Him and bring honor to Him. But when God did, He worked in a powerful way. And what He did was good. In fact, at the end of it, when He saw it after six days, He said what? It was very good. Now, what wasn't good is that man was alone, so he made him a helpmate, uh, corresponded to him, and he brought her to Adam, and Adam said, wow, <laughs> isha, ish, right there, what I am, that is a one right there, praise the Lord, amen? And he made them, and they became one. And in that relationship, it's fascinating how those two persons in one flesh can reflect in some ways three persons who are one, the Godhead. This is the beauty of creation in so many ways when you look and see what God has done and realize what an amazing, almighty, powerful God has done this. And God is speaking through all of it. And as Paul says in Romans 1, it's all declaring when you see the sunset, when you see the sunrise, you see the beautiful sunsets, you see all the creation around you. It's screaming, as the psalmist says in Psalm 19, His glory. It's screaming to you and I, there's a God who's speaking, a powerful God who's speaking to us. In fact, he's so powerful that, that, that this creation is telling you that you and I need to surrender to his power. And yet the effects of sin on the human heart blinds us and, and we don't acknowledge that. And we try to suppress that truth. And, and as Paul says in Romans 1, it doesn't go well for us when we do that. Because then we, we worship the created stuff rather than the creator. And God, we think and profess that we're wise, but actually, we're darkened in our understanding. Now, don't be darkened in your understanding today. Be wise today in your understanding. Let the light of the truth of the word illumine our hearts and minds so that we recognize the God who d demonstrates this amazing creativity is a person, and he made me for a person, personal relationship. And he's a God with immense power, which I certainly don't have, and neither do you. But that means the situations I'm going through in life, he has the power to do something about if I yield to him. Now, now God creates and he creates with purpose. He made all of this. He made it all to work in a particular way. It's fascinating how he does that. The sun, the moon, the stars, the earth and everything and, and how it all works. I mean, with just such design. I mean, you stop and think how the earth is in its axis just exactly how far away from the sun it needs to be, and it, it revolves around the, around the sun. And, and it's fascinating just to see how God designed all of that. And he put us on this earth, and, 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 and he's designed the things that happen so that the, 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 the waters don't, don't flood. There's a line where the waters only go so far, and, 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 and there's seasons. And, and, and praise God for the beauty of what he has made. But what's amazing is he made that and he made you and made me unique and different than all the rest of the created order. You and I were made with a particular purpose and it's significant. When he left his impression, he left his impression on all of the created order. But particularly when he formed and fashioned the man and the woman, 
You and I are made in His image, made for relationship with Him. The pinnacle of, of His creation in Genesis 1 is making this man in His image. And when He made us in His image, He made you and made me not just to represent Him on this earth. We are here with a purpose to be representative of Him over creation. He gives us a dominion, a responsibility in His, in his creation to take care of it and, and, and to create things, to create technology that uses that creation to bring forth the good for all the things that are procreated. That's when he says to the man and woman, listen, be fruitful and multiply and then subdue the earth. That, that's procreation and creation, the responsibility we have to stop and think that, that from a, a woman can come the, the work of a man and a woman being fruitful and multiplying. And a child can come forth, a new creation. Amazing, right? I, I mean, I understand in our culture today, we don't want to acknowledge that, right? We don't want to acknowledge that there is a God who designs us and, and that we have an X and a Y chromosome. And when an X and a Y chromosome get together, they have the potential to bring forth life. We live in a culture today that's trying to blur that. And yet you and I should be championing this truth out there because what's happening is they're diluting the minds of the children intentionally. Because Satan does not want them to believe there's a creator because that creator says, I need to recreate you. And that's what's happening all around us. But we have the truth. We should be championing this and not being silent about it. God made man for a purpose. To be one who can be creative and also can create new life at the blessing of God, of course. But he also made us to be creative, to have dominion or to rule over the created order. Now, when we do that, when God gives us the, the ability to create things, uh, to subdue it, that means it's technology. We have to create things, and that's more than the iPhone 15, okay? We have to create all kinds of technologies that enable us to, to harvest more, more fruit from the field, more vegetables from the field, to feed all those people that are made in God's image, that are procreated. We, we create energy and ways to heat homes in the winter and things like that to do it more efficiently. But, but the danger is that we don't take care of that creation and we leverage and, and, and exploit it for our own profits rather than it just being profitable for those made in God's image. And when God made man, not only did he make him for a relationship with a male and a female, but he made them for a relationship with him. And that's not merely here on this earth. One day, listen, we're made for a relationship right now that's going to last forever with him in a place called heaven. And there we are to be glory bearers and reflect his glory. In fact, we're supposed to reflect his glory right now on earth as his representatives. Now here's the danger again from Romans chapter 1. When you suppress the truth that there's a God who is there, divine Godhead, and the power of God, which is evident in all of creation, what happens is we exchange the glory of God for the glory of all the other things. As though they had any glory. And in fact, what oftentimes man just really worships himself for his own vain self-glory. And yet we weren't made for that. We were made to radiate and reflect His glory. So you should be able to look in your life. If I really understand who God is and what He's like. And this attribute of His creative power. Is to look at my life and say. You know what? God has uniquely made me. In fact David would say. What is man that you even take thought of Him? Psalm chapter 8. I mean. 
God made us a little lower than the angels, but above all of the other animals, all the created order. And God takes thought of you and me. Wow, who are we? I mean, we think we're somebody, but really stop and think about what God has done. Who are we? And not only that, but, but that he would know the, the hairs on our head, even when they're falling out or turning gray. He knows them. He, he knows all, all the circumstances happening in our life because he, he takes our tears and he puts them in a bottle. He's mindful of everything happening in the life of his creation. He's not some distant creator God. No, he wants to relate with his creation. That's why he made it. He didn't need it, but he did it. And he made us for purpose. His purpose is not our own. And so when I live my life in a way that's honoring him, admiring him, adoring him, and all that he is, then I'm living for his glory. And the amazing thing then is my life doesn't, doesn't become meaningless or purposeless. I, I don't live with, for vain things that, that really don't have any glory. But I live for him. Now, now what's fascinating is this picture of Elohim, who's the creator, who is powerful and makes you and makes me for a purpose. What's fascinating is when you get over to that Isaiah 44 passage. Because over in Isaiah 44, if you flip there really quick, I want to show you something because this is just fascinating. In Isaiah 44, Isaiah the prophet, listen, he's speaking to a, to a people. Listen, God's own people, God's Israel, who have turn their backs on him. There's a famine for hearing the word of the Lord. This is a godless nation at that time. There is a remnant, praise God. But God has already told them, listen, you're going to be exiled. You're going to Babylon. You're going away. And, and, and you're going to be judged. And even in the midst of that, he's giving them hope here in the, in the, in the chapters of, of, in the section chapters 40s of Isaiah. And, and, and he's speaking to them. But, but he's, he's speaking to them in an amazing way. And particularly in Isaiah 45, I'm sorry, Isaiah 44, he speaks there. And what's fascinating in the first five verses of that chapter, he highlights, listen, that, that he is going to... Uh, he's going to save a people named Jacob. He's going to save his servant and bring them forth. And the pictures he uses is that he's going to uh, pour forth his spirit and that the water will fall on, literally in the Hebrew, on the, on the dust of the ground. Now, where do you see the spirit and the water and where do you see the dust of the ground and God going to form a, per, a person or a people? The book of Genesis. And that's why it's fascinating as you walk down through there and you see the foolishness of idolatry. And, and whether it's the blacksmith or the, 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 the man who goes out into the woods with an axe and chops down a tree to come back and, and bring that tree back. And with half of it, he, he cuts up some kindling and some wood to, to make his porridge. And with the other half of the tree, he starts whittling and, and making himself a God. And when his porridge is done, he sets his little idol up and he bows down to it and he says, thank you for saving me. Just the sheer foolishness of this. And yet that's what we do when we reject the creator and worship the created stuff, the idols of this world, the things that will never bring us satisfaction, can never save us. And yet we are that foolish. And God is just mocking through the prophet saying, this is absolutely foolishness. And that's what Paul would say over in Romans chapter 1. But when you get down to verse 24, this is the amazing thing. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the Lord, from the, from the womb. I am the Lord who makes all things. This is Elohim. This is Yahweh, Jehovah. 
This is the one who formed you from the womb. I'm the God who made you. But the beautiful thing is he's talking in here about making a children. He's making a people for himself. And beloved, here's the amazing thing. To become a part of the people of God and to worship him, you have to acknowledge this truth. Ready? Psalm 100. When we come into his presence with songs of thanksgiving, praising him, and celebrating him, you have to know three things that are essential. You have to know, first of all, the Lord, he is God. There is no other. He is God alone. You have to know, listen, that it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. You see, he's the creator. In order to worship him, you have to acknowledge that. Well, is that Elohim or is it Yahweh? Yes, it is. And the spirit too. They all played a role in creation. And not just in creation, but listen, in the new creation, the recreation that we need to experience. Because that creation was tainted with sin through the willful rebellion of man. And because of that, there is a need for a new creation. And God is going to make his own people. And his spirit is the one that accomplishes it. Who is it that opens your eyes and my eyes so that we believe the truth of the word of God and our lives are changed? Spirit of God. The spirit of God takes the word of God and comes and helps you and I to see. He convicts us of sin and convinces us of truth so that we repent and believe and put our faith and trust in him. It's the work of the spirit of God in your life. It's amazing. And what else is amazing is this. It's important that you realize that's happened in my life. I realize I was made. There's a God who made me. He made everything around me. But I understand this. In my life, in my sin, in my rebellion, I've made nothing but a mess. That's all my hands have put together. I mean, even your very best, by the way, won't last forever. It's not perfect. His is. And what we recognize is, God, I got a mess on my hands. I got chaos. You got any of that? Oh, here's the amazing thing. If I will acknowledge that he and he alone is God and that he has made me, the next part of worship in Psalm 100 is this, that we are his people, sheep of his pasture. In other words, he's a redeemer who came to recreate us. And that's when worship takes place. When you realize he's God and you're not, when you realize, you know what he's done for me? He has not only made me, but he's remade me. And he has redeemed me. Now that's the beautiful thing about our God. Now, if you don't believe he'll create you, you probably won't believe he'll re he can recreate you. But isn't that what salvation is all about? What do, you what do you become when you repent of your sin and you place your faith and trust in Christ? When I bend my knee and say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I've not made anything but a great big mess. I've got nothing good from this. And yet I see the one who died for me on Calvary's tree. The Bible says that when I place my faith and trust in that sacrifice and I repent of my sins and trust in him, the Bible says by repentance and faith, listen, something happens. A righteousness is exchanged with an unrighteousness and we become new what? Creations in Christ. And that new birth experience, that new life that we have, that's all possible because of the God. Praise God, he's creative and he's a creator. And praise God, he has given evidence of that to you and to me. And he takes my life, he takes your life, and he makes something of it that once was nothing but a mess. And Isaiah is emphasizing that to that remnant, to God's people, saying, hold on, God's not done. Yeah, y'all made a big mess. In fact, you're going to be exiled. 
He even goes so far as to say, listen, in a hundred years, you don't know this guy, but God's so in control of everything that he's going to raise up this guy named Cyrus. And he's going to be a Gentile, but here's the amazing thing. He's going to be God's servant. He's going to be God's shepherd. God is going to work through him, and he's going to send his people back. He's going to build a temple, and he's going to allow all that to happen. See, God's in control of everything he's made. Why wouldn't I give him my life today? If God is in control of everything in this world, and he made it, why wouldn't I yield and surrender to him and say, God, here's my life. Whatever you want to do, whatever your purposes are, God, work in my life and through my life as a testimony of your amazing grace, of your amazing glory. May I just be a testimony of that in my life. You see, whatever situation I may be facing today, I can be aware of this one wonderful truth. There's a God who created all things, and and He can take what I've made, and He can bring something good from it. You know why I know that? Because over in Romans 8, 28, it says this, that God, for those who love Him, who are called according to His purposes, you know what He does? He works all things together for good. He works it all. I don't know how He does it. Man, He does it, y'all. If you've walked with him long enough, there's experiences you've been with. And you know, man, that wasn't a good experience I went through. And the amazing thing is, down the road, years down the road, you might look back and go, now I see how God was working. Man, look at this good. I've seen it in my life walking with him. He can do that in your life. But it takes faith. It takes you and I choosing to believe what he says in his word and who he is. Everyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. And this is who he's declaring that he is. He's telling us that this is who I am. And by the way, this is what you can be, a new creation in Christ. But it takes faith this morning. It takes surrender. You have to yield to him, his plans, his purposes, and what he wants. And beloved, that's the journey of faith, and it is amazing. Abraham had to go not knowing where God was going to lead him. But by that faith that he demonstrated, he gives us an example of how we too can experience the goodness and the favor of God. Of being a shield about us and our sure reward. Do you have that reward today? Have you yielded to him? Because see, God is an amazing creator. And he wants to create something out of our life. But we have to yield to him. I'm going to invite you to bow your head this morning as we go before the Lord in prayer. Honestly, this morning, can I look in my life and say, you know what? I am a new creation in Christ I have repented of my sins and placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I recognize that today. If you cannot make that profession, then now is a time in a service where we invite you to make that profession. If the Spirit of God has convicted you and you realize, you know what, I need to surrender today. I need my life to be made new. The altar's open. Pastors are here at the front to pray with you. How you can have a personal relationship with the God who created all things. And how you can discover his purposes for your life. Allowing his spirit to guide you each and every day. Are you aimless? Is life meaningless at this moment? Then perhaps you're not living for what the creator designed you for. And you just need to come on the altar and say, Lord, my life isn't making sense right now. I don't understand what's going on. But I I know my life is in your hands. And I just want to surrender and yield to you, Lord. And, And may your spirit guide me and direct me. And Lord... My life having purpose and meaningfulness right now. If you need just someone to pray with you as well, the altar's open. We'll we'll pray with you. Not only the pastors, we have deacons and deacons, brides who will come and pray with you. If we need to make a decision, if we've heard God speak today, we need to stop rebelling, stop refusing His truth. God is speaking to us. 
All of creation is testifying. God's word is speaking to us. His spirit is whispering to us. Will we surrender? Will we yield to him? The altar's open for any who need to come today.